podcast has bad words. <laughs> All right, before we dive into this episode, the minimalists want to help you declutter your glowing screen. So head on over to theminimalists.com slash wallpapers to download any of our free minimalist wallpapers, including our love people use things wallpaper for your smartphone or computer. Enjoy. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. Ryan Nicodemus is out on vacation today, so I found another person named Ryan. And, uh, well, Ryan Holiday is here. He's the author of the brand new book, Stillness is the Key. Ryan, thank you for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Today, we're going to talk about stillness. We're going to talk about quietude. We're going to talk about combating distractions. And we're going to talk about slowing down with today's guest. And our first question is from Alex in North Dakota. Hey guys, uh, my name is Alex and I'm from Minot, North Dakota. I am graduating from college in about six months and ultimately plan to continue my education in a more meaningful way once I'm done. My goal essentially is to learn a new skill either physically or intellectually every six months or so. And I, I guess my main question for this would be, what are some of the most vital or salient skills either physically or mentally, that someone living a more purpose-driven or intentional life should strive for. So Ryan, skills. He, he yeah. wants to build up some skills, some new skills every six months. I, I, I think this is a, a meaningful pursuit. What, what, uh, what advice do you have for Alex? Yeah, I, I mean, I do like this idea. I think there is, uh, you know, the, the more you expose yourself to stuff that you don't know how to do, it's sort of naturally humbling and it naturally kind of keeps you hungry. Like it's very easy, you know, you, you talk about sort of like having an intentional life, sort of shaping your life, but the, and I, and I try to do that too, but the downside is you can end up like only doing stuff you really like or only stuff you're really good at all the time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because Absolutely. you eliminated all the stuff you don't like doing, uh -huh. which is great. Like you don't like scheduling. Okay, get an assistant. Maybe that's not something you need to be good at, but what you're doing is you're kind of like softening your life because like you're, you're never struggling, you're never challenged, you know, you're never It's kind of like grad school versus kindergarten. Kindergarten, everything is like brand new and like everything is difficult, even yeah. though you're not really doing anything difficult, but because it's new, it is difficult. Whereas grad school, it's it's these incremental improvements. And I, I think there's, there's something to be said for both. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think what you're telling Alex here is, you know, put yourself in more sort of kindergarten-like situations where it's new to you. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, look, this is easier to do, like, if you know what your main thing is. Like, it's like, okay, I'm a writer, and then I can go learn totally irrelevant skills that are challenging and interesting and make me better, but they're not really designed to help. They're like hobbies. Like, uh, one of my favorite books uh is this book by Winston Churchill and it's called Painting as a Pastime. Mm. So you wouldn't think that basically the leader of the free world would, uh, this guy who, who's sort of probably the <clears throat> most ambitious man of his age had an almost inhuman work schedule. Mm -hmm. And yet what he, what he 
what he liked to do in his spare time was paint. Right. And he and he wrote this book about about basically the power of hobbies. Mm. And he was saying that like the most important thing that like a public person or you know a powerful person needs to do is he says you need to have one or two or maybe even three like really good hobbies. And so for Winston Churchill, the hobbies were painting, which he learns uh, sort of right after the First World War. He basically bungled a bunch of stuff and he's sort of thrown out of public life and he he turns to painting. Um, and then later he turns to bricklaying. He learns how to lay bricks. Really? He has this estate in the English countryside. And when he's writing uh, this book, it's called The World Crisis, um, he spends most of that, he, 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 there's this awesome letter he writes, and he's like, you know, I've been writing 2,000 words and laying 200 bricks a day. Mm. And and so it, it's, it was this idea of having something totally the opposite of his profession um, that was rigorous and hard but forced him very much outside of his comfort zone and forced it like, you know, his, his daughter would help him lay the bricks and he would, he would have to go to a pretty place to paint to painting, right? And then even within painting, you know, Churchill would, would talk about how, how he would try to get better at painting, right? So he'd go like, okay, I learned how to paint. He's like, now I want to go to a museum, really take everything in and see if I can't uh, repaint a painting that I saw the next day. Mm. Right. Or he'd say, like, uh, I want to try to paint something from memory. So even within painting, he would set out to, like, uh, add skills to his uh, sort of quiver. And so I, I, I just think maybe maybe this isn't what the question is really about. But the idea of, like, if you can find your main thing and then you can be like, these are all these seemingly irrelevant side things, but are actually sort of giving you rest and uh, and and giving you some sort of peace and quiet that help you be better at that main thing. Well, we're going to be talking quite a bit about your your new book today. This is sort of, I guess this completes a trilogy for you in That's a way, it. right? Yeah. So so the first two books, Ego is the en- Enemy and Obstacle is the Way, and this is Stillness is the Key. Um, I think one of the things you're, you're talking about here, whether it's bricklaying or painting, it is reclaiming this sort of stillness. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't mean to just like uh, direct this question back to my book. It's just something I think about. Like, how do you ha- like, like in my routine on a daily basis? Uh, it's like I, I basically work the first half of the day, and then the second half of the day, I try to do like exercise, or I try to do something that's very much the opposite of my main thing, mm-hmm. because it ba- it balances it out. But then it also gives me a way to sort like. I guess don't just think about it as like, oh, I'm acquiring skills. Think about it as like I'm acquiring balance or that I'm taking, like let's say I have a frustrating day writing, Mm -hmm. but it's I've never really had a frustrating day swimming or like I've never had a frustrating run like or a frustrating day lifting weights like it, it's so much easier to win over here and so if if the the hobby or the skill or the thing you're spending time on it's just it's just much more the success in it is much more in your control mm-hmm. and so it's I think important to have that like it would be good it, for the president, not I'm not talking about any current president, but like it's good for a president to have some physical activity that they like that they uh, blow off steam doing, or mm-hmm. you know that they have like quiet time to themselves. Like we need to have that in our life. So don't just think like, oh, I'm figuring out this skill. So like I'm adding now I'm learning finance and now I'm learning this. Like it doesn't. They don't have to be professional skills. They can be like I learned how to knit. 
You know, right. like it'd be totally impractical and of no real value, but it's the process of doing it that is the beneficial thing. But the knitting or the swimming can also become frustrating if you're doing it at a professional level. If you're a professional, yes. professional yes. knitter, then all of a sudden now you need to find, well, I need to write in my off time yes. because because the burden of proof is not that high for those those hobbies if you're not trying to do it profess- professionally. Yeah, like Chris Bosch, the, the basketball player, like one season he taught himself how to code and another season he taught himself the guitar in, in the off season so these are not these are not in any way beneficial skills on the basketball court mm-hmm. but the point was like he's not gonna he's obviously training in the off season but the point of the off season is to rest and to get some distance from the game and to like let the body recuperate but that doesn't mean you let the mind atrophy you know what i mean so yeah. so i think it's it's uh it's just key that you're finding things that are keeping you sharp but ironically, in keeping you sharp, you're you're also finding rest. And I think what you'll find sometimes, the things you thought excited you or interested you, they may not actually interest you once you dive into it. Yes. Uh, we often confuse excitement for passion, but um, you get excited about an idea. I really want to write this book. But then when, when the, the work actually comes down to it, it's like, ah, maybe I'm not actually excited about it. That's true. And also, though, like you don't have to get good at it. Do you know what I mean? Like you can also just do it. Right. You know, like, like, so I, I've, I, I run and uh, I, I ran in, in middle school and high school and I hated it. And then I sort of rediscovered it after college or in college. And, and so I run almost every day. I ran this morning. And so, uh, because people know they run, they go, Oh, do you do marathons? Do you want to do this race? I'm like, I'm not trying to get really good at it. Yeah. Like I'm just doing it. Like I'm pretty naturally good at it and I do push myself, but like, I don't need to turn this into a competition. Like I have a lot of competition in my life and I I have a lot of things that I'm trying to like be world-class at. I don't need to be world-class in my hobby. Right. And I, I think that quite often that can taint the hobby as well. If you're oh, totally. just, if you're if you're just trying to to um if you're trying don't to turn be the, it into a job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Alex, I'm going to send you a copy of Stillness is the Key. I hope you get some value from that. And our next question is from Carrie in Anaheim, California. Hi, Josh and Ryan. My name is Carrie, and I'm 20, and I'm a film student who's cultivating a passion for television writing that I plan on turning into a mission when I graduate. This semester, I have an internship that I absolutely love at a company that I really enjoy working for. However, the commute is awful. I'm commuting from Anaheim to Beverly Hills twice a week. Last week, I spent 10 hours in the car on top of the full work days, which are for credit only. They're not paid. I usually listen to music or this podcast during the drive, but I keep finding myself really tired and frustrated by the long hours in the car. Do you have any advice on ways to make my commute more pleasant or more manageable without having to quit an internship that I get a lot of value from? So Ryan, the, the word that comes to mind for me is peace. Yeah, how how can she make her commute more peaceful in a way? Yeah, and and that is a recurring theme throughout. Stillness is the key. We're, you're talking about stillness. It's sort of finding that inner peace. And and by the way, I think we are we have more discrete bits of input than ever before. Sure. You write about how the Stoics had this problem where it's like, oh, put away your books and go live life, yeah. right? But but also, now it's uh, now we yearn for the books because uh, we're, we're bombarded with social media, we're bombarded with the glowing screens, we're bombarded with uh, just this, uh, the information, the, the, the cascade of information. And she's looking for peace, and uh, it seems a bit quixotic to me to try to find peace by like, 
Well, I'm going to use this commute to, uh, I guess, uh, listen yeah. to more, find more, search more. How does she find peace? I think you can argue it either way. I mean, le- the irony is like uh, she's 20. So when she's 30, let's say she achieves all the dreams that she wants. And she has this awesome career. Uh-huh. Or maybe she's 40 and she has a family. She's going to look back and be like, I can't believe I used to get 10 hours in the car by myself. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That was so wonderful. Reframing it. You know? So 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 it's it's like don't don't necessarily see this as this like huge inconvenience but try to see it with try to flat it's like how we go like uh we look back in our own lives and we see these like difficult periods we went through but we're grateful for them it would be wonderful if we could give ourselves a just i'm not saying you can magically turn unpleasant things into pleasant things Mm -hmm. but if we are going to appreciate them a little bit more in the future can't we give ourselves like even 10 percent of that now so just going like uh I have this time and I'm not going to feel angry about it. I'm not going to try to rush through it. I'm just going to be like, this is it. You know, I, th- I think that's one way to start it. Although I did, I got this advice from Robert Greene when I was about that age. I was his research assistant. I had an internship for someone uh, sort of just like she had and lots of, you know, long commutes. I was in Los Angeles and, and he, he just sort of gave me this advice. He was like, he's like, you, there's two times of time. He said, there's a live time and dead time. Dead time is like you're in the car and you're like, I have an hour to kill, right? Uh, a live time is like, I have an hour. How am I going to use this hour? Mm-hmm. You know, or it's like, hey, I have three months left on this internship. I don't really like it. I want to do something else. Like, am I going to quit? Am I going to complain? Am I going to phone it in? Or am I going to be like, how can I use these three months to some positive end? And so I like that she's listening to a podcast or she's listening to music. But you could also say like, this is how many people would kill for an hour to meditate, you know? Mm. And like, I'm going to find this time to just have one hour quiet for myself. Like, how can she use this time? I I have a commute uh, some days. And so it's like, that's when I make my phone calls. Yeah. Um, like, that's when I call my parents. That's when I, you know, that's when I catch up with people I haven't talked to in a long time. That's when I, where I just think about stuff that I'm working on. So it's, th- this hour doesn't have to be wasted and you don't have to find a way to like rush through it. You can go like, how can I use this to my advantage? How can I like really be present for it and and get a lot out of it? And I think peace ensues from that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm thinking about now the, the reframing. Uh, I was in the corporate world uh, in a previous life. Uh, I managed 150 retail stores, um, which I know is really ironic with the whole minimalism thing. But yes. I think that led me to this. And uh, uh, Nicodemus and I worked at the same telecom company. And... I um I had a lot of commuting because I lived in Dayton, I worked in Cincinnati, and so like I was driving back and forth, and I w- I probably spent I don't know ten to fifteen hours a week in the car, sometimes more than that, and at the time I I begrudged the fact that I had to have so much of a commute, but yeah. I also realized that it was actually I'm an extreme introvert. Yeah, it was the only time in my life that time. I had alone. Yeah, yeah. And it was great for me in retrospect. And now anytime I go back to Ohio, it's like I have the most pleasant memories of driving. Yes. Whereas before, it's it's because I assigned some sort of negative connotation to yeah. it. And I think it is quite often as easy as appreciating what is good from this commute. Yeah, maybe it does suck to drive from Anaheim to Beverly Hills every day. But maybe it's also awesome. You have the opportunity to have that alone time there every single day. Yeah. And, and look, like we know, like, OK, you make $100, you have to pay a certain amount of that in taxes, right? Like we know there's tax associated with all good things, right? Yes. You make money, you pay taxes. 
uh, one of the things the Stoics talk about is just like paying the taxes of life willingly and gladly almost, right? So instead of being like, oh, it's April 15th, I can't believe I have to write this huge check to the government, we should be like, no, this is what I have to pay to get what I got, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and every year I post this on social media and people get very mad, you know, there's all these like crazy, <laughs> ridiculous trolls. But it's just like, look, you have a life-changing internship that you get fulfillment out of that's like getting you closer to where you want to go the hour drive is a tax, yeah. you know, like nothing is free. Yeah. Like even though you're working for free, nothing is free. Uh, and so if you just go, this is the tax, right? Like uh, arguments are the tax of being married, you know, like phone calls are the tax of of, of work, you know, or whatever, right? There's mm-hmm. just taxes uh, associated with all the stuff that we have to do. And the, the, you know, most most taxes are progressive. So the more stuff that you get or do, the more taxes that come along with it. Yeah, and I guess any of those taxes are things that may not be pleasant in the moment. But I like that idea of reframing. Even the you know, it's April fifteenth. I'm yeah. gonna write this check. I could find a way to make it more pleasant than it is, even if it yeah. isn't truly pleasant to me. Or can you just get to neutral? Like, why don't we just start by like, I'm gonna get to neutral. Like, I'm just not gonna be resentful right of the fact that i have to pay taxes because taxes are a part of life and that's what i'm doing you know i'm not saying you pay more tax than you uh, have to right you know you're not like i'm gonna round up here (laughs) you know or whatever you get an accountant you have you try to minimize the taxes you don't need to pay but then when they're like look here's the bill you write the check Yes, indeed. Carrie, I'm going to send you a copy of our book, Essential. There's 150 essays in there about what it means to live an intentional life. It's 12 different areas, and one of those areas is mindfulness. And so as you're on the road and you're you're looking to be a bit more mindful with your time, I think there are some tips some strategies in our book, Essential. If you like our podcast, you'll like the audiobook version of that. It's over six hours long. Or if you want the book book or the ebook version, we're happy to send those to you as well. That's a whole week of commuting almost. That's right. So you, you get you, through the whole audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> or at least just listen to the mindfulness chapter and then maybe turn it off after that. Um, Let's move on to our our lightning round. Now, Ryan, this is where we typically answer questions from social media. We're at The Minimalists on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You're at Ryan Holiday on all the relevant social media networks. Also, ryanholiday.net, I believe, is is your website. There's another Ryan Holiday. He's like a Christian musician or something. (laughs) He got got us before I did. So we had uh, Sam Harris on here, and I guess... uh, um, uh, there's a, a musician who's Sam Harris who has all the handles and it's like I can only imagine how frustrating that that must be I have a like you know my email is Ryan it's like Ryan.holiday at gmail it's just like I got it when I was in high school and that's I think uh-huh. and I was like who's this guy that has like Ryan Holiday at gmail like how did he beat me to this <laughs> it took me like eight years to realize that I have that the, the dot doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and that's, that's true. Yeah. You can put dots between every letter. It doesn't matter. It'll yes. still make its way to you. Yes, yeah, yeah. Maybe bleep out his email address. No, no, I don't oh, care. I oh, post it everywhere. Okay, good luck. I'll just ignore it if I don't want to reply. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, during the lightning round, this is what yeah. we do. We, we try to answer every question with just a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. Okay. We put the text to these minimal maxims, we call them. They're little aphorisms, okay. Okay. truisms, whatever. Um, uh, we put them in the show notes. Uh, and if you don't have anything pithy, it's okay. Sean, okay. we can just monitor on a bit. Sean yeah. tweezes it out, oh, puts it, it okay. in the show notes, makes like, it look really pretty. the characters as I... No, yes. I think, I think yeah. we're good. Uh, also, uh, we collect them all in one place now, minimalmaxims.com. Our first question is from Lady Lizza. She says, it seems like the world is constantly sending messages to never slow down and keep going no matter the cost. How does one combat these messages? I have a pithy answer for you. So you tell me what you think about this, Ryan. 
Uh, my, my pithy tweetable answer is moving slowly down the right path will get you there quicker than sprinting behind the herds racing in the wrong direction. Yeah, there's a Latin expression. I think it's festina lente and just means make haste slowly. Mm. Um, you know, uh, measure twice, cut once. You know, the I think we think like, oh, I've got to like pull an all-nighter. I've got to rush through this or I've got to, you know, get it out fast. And then what we have trouble calculating is like the costs of having to go back and do it or fix it. And that's certainly true in my own life. I'm always someone who sort of speeds through things and then it's like... Um, the problems that this creates uh, usually net out to just having done it right the first time. I think busyness has become the sort of status symbol of success. And sure. in fact, we we just mistake it for success because uh, I used to always say I'm busy. You know, yeah. when I was in the corporate world, I was working 80 hours a week, worked uh, 362 days a year. Um, and I was, how's it going? Oh, just real busy. Yeah. But really what I was saying is my life's out of control. <laughs> sure. No, for me, success is like uh, how empty my calendar is because oh. it means I'm doing shit that I want to do. That is pithy. I really like that. All right, next question is from Paolo. How do you balance your work life with your family life when you're trying to build a meaningful business and have to work really hard? Now, Ryan, you, you have a kid. Uh, is he two, two yet? I have two kids. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Got an eight-week-old also. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, and, yeah. And yet you're, you're out here. I am. On the uh, the book grind. And, and this is part of the this is part of the tax you have to pay for yes. writing a book is is we often mistake as, as creatives. Like, I wrote the book and now I'm done. And yeah. well, you're halfway done now. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I would say I would try to tell myself is what you get to do. But yeah. you do have to do it, right? Because, like, if you don't market it, you don't get to do another one, right? Mm. There's no audience, right? Um, so it, 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 it is a balance. I, I once asked the, this NFL coach, I was like, you guys work these like insane hours, but you have a family, you have kids, like, how do you do it? Uh, and he was like, you have to find the moments inside the moments. And what he meant by that is like, so from the outside, you think like, oh, like this coach, he works for, like he shows up at the facility at like 5 a.m. He works out and then he doesn't, uh, he doesn't leave until like 10 or, or whatever, right? Right. And then you'd realize it's like, oh, okay, actually like he shows up at five, but that's where he works out. Like the gym is at the office, right? right. So a normal person leaves at, leaves at the same time, but they go to the gym, right? Like, so yeah. they're putting, they've, they've built a facility that allows them to do everything in one spot. But then also there's like families there all the time. They're, it's like integrated inside the thing. So they might be at the office from here to here, but they have a much more sort of inclusive, like immersive experience. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. not like they're not gone for 14 hours and they show up to this house full of strangers. And that's something I've tried to cultivate in my life where it's like, um, I'm working from home, so I'm upstairs, but I'm coming downstairs to get something to drink and I'm spending 15 minutes with my kid, you know, like, so there, obviously there are downsides to sort of switching between tasks and we know like what studies show about this, but it's about finding, so you're working hard and you're really dedicated to what you're doing, but I think you want to try to not be absentee, you know, like not be gone. You want to integrate these things. Yeah, I, I like that as opposed to trying to balance, you know, all the spinning plates where, where, where you, you are, you're, to mix my metaphors here, um, you, you, 
you're integrating instead of balancing quite often. And I think if you find ways to do that, at least in my life, it's been a lot more pleasant to, to, I don't believe in work-life balance so much as I believe in work-life integration where possible. Now, also realizing that, you know, maybe whether it's Paolo or it's someone working in a cubicle somewhere, you don't always have that opportunity. You might be in a season of your life where it does require balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, there was a period for a chunk of my 20s where I was very much out of balance, right? Because you had to be to sort of make your bones and to get to a position where you had more autonomy. But also the the American apparel days. Yeah, and I I worked uh, not far from here at a talent agency in Hollywood for a while, and I was a research assistant for a writer. I just did like a bunch of stuff all at the same time, uh-huh. um, and but that I didn't also have a family. You know, like it, the idea was like this is that period. I'm going to do all the things now, but it's also being like people. It, it's also knowing that you're work. You better be working towards autonomy, or you can get sort of trapped. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I I find that we mistake this idea of job security. I, I think job security is, is the least secure thing because at any moment, like the, the telecom that I worked for was eventually bought by another telecom. They closed all the stores that I, I was no longer there anymore. Yeah. But had I been there in my nice secure sure. job, everyone, I can't believe you're leaving the, the healthcare and the security. Yeah. No, I would have I've been laid off just like everyone else, sure. right? Sure. And so, so it's almost a misnomer when we talk about security. The most secure thing is finding that autonomy that, that you're, I mean, it sounds like Powell was actually working toward that. He's building his own own business. The, sure. the, the pithy answer I, I will give you, Paolo, is hard work isn't the same thing as meaningful work. Yeah. And because I think quite often we confuse the two. If I'm working hard enough, I mean, yeah, you can you can run around in circles. My daughter does this until yeah. she gets dizzy. I mean, yeah. th- there's nothing meaningful about that, but she feels like she's doing something yeah. productive because she's running around in circles. But I think your point about uh, integration versus balance, it's like, okay, uh, you know, let's say it's some morning and I've got a 12 p.m. flight and I've also got to exercise. It's like, oh, I'm going to put my son in the stroller and run with him. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like now I've taken two things I have to do and combine them together and yeah. they're enjoyable and it's in, it's integrated in that way. I find and, that parenting doesn't often feels less than meaningful. And, and, and um, what I mean by that is part of parenting isn't like trying to be dad of the year every moment it is simply showing up and and being present with the kid and and i mean i only i only have one kid yeah. and I don't always find that as meaningful as like, I'm going to sit down and be productive. I'm going to write uh, 2,000 words today or whatever. Like yeah. to me, there's like some product of that. The The product of parenting is is also there, but it seems far more nebulous in, in the moment. Well, there's this interview I read with Jerry Seinfeld once, and he was like, he's like, parents are always talking about having quality time with their kids. And he's like, I don't know what that means. He's like, He's like, I like garbage time with my kids. He's like, you know, mm. eating cereal at like 11 p.m. when you should be in bed or, you know what I mean? Like, like this idea that like parenting or family time has to be this like special stuff. Like, actually, this is a, a lot of pressure on di- like long distance relationships. You're like, we didn't see each other on the week uh, during the week. Now we're here on the weekend. We have to do something uh-huh. big. And it's like, you don't have to do anything. Right. And in fact, that might actually be putting additional, like you've, you're out of step with each other. And now you're trying to do this complicated dance where you, you know, you're cramming in a trip on the weekend or, you know, going out or seeing people. And it's like, 
you could have just stayed at home on the couch mm. and you would have had much more uh, meaningful of an interaction. So that I think that's the other t- thing with kids is like, it's like, oh, I'm, 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 I've been gone and I'm home. And so it's like, I have to make up for this. And it's like, no, you just have to sit there while they play with trains on the floor. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's parenting. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I find one of the most meaningful things we do almost every night is, is we as a family, my, my wife and I and, and our six-year-old daughter, we'll just walk around the block once. Yes. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's ritualized. Yeah. So we do it most nights. And, and I find that that is far more meaningful than like, oh, you know, we have to try to do the trampoline park yeah. and we have to, yeah, yeah. those things are fun. And, yeah. and there's, a, there's a time for those. But if you work that into every day, if that was your daily expectation, you continue to up the threshold. And, sure. and, and at some point, you know, we're like bungee jumping every evening in order to just to, yeah. to have fun. And, and also like garbage time is pretty much free. You know what I mean? Like your walk is free. Right, you right. know, like so, people are like, "Oh, you know, like privilege," and but like the best things like don't cost anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the walk is the special thing. It's not. It uh, the walk is probably has more of an impact on your kid than like over a long enough timeline than like sending them to an expensive private school or something. I would argue. Yeah, yeah I, and it's funny. Like I, I will ask her about, "Hey, do you remember the time we did blank?" And it's always like some amazing thing when she was two years old, and she. Had, no, no. Don't, don't remember it at all. Yeah. But she remembers the the sort of inconsequential, and I think that's how, how life is. You know, you, you never, uh, you, you know, it's not always the big moments that, that you, in fact, in the book, you talk about uh, lust being a bit of a problem, right? Because sure. we, we want these peak experiences, whether yes. whether it is, you know, an orgasm or winning the trophy for the, the um, race or whatever it is. Or wanderlust, like I got to, go to Machu Picchu because I'll get a good Instagram photo and then, you know, I'll cross that off my bucket list and like yeah. all the cool people I know have been there. Yeah. 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 Well, Sean, I think you got some pithy stuff there to, to tweeze out. All right. And we got a bunch more surprise questions this week. How do I find stillness in the middle of a crisis? How do I find peace in a toxic relationship to which I'm legally bound? How do I cut out the brain noise to stay focused on one project at a time? How do I find quiet living in chaotic urban surroundings? How can I find peace despite chronic pain? And many more of your questions. Also, we're going to talk about Napoleon's best email inbox tip. That was fun. Also, uh, we're going to talk about some stoic wisdom. We're going to talk about journaling, why I don't like journaling, and Ryan Holiday convinces me that maybe I should be journaling. How successful people recharge in their downtime. We're going to talk about silence. We're going to talk about Tiger Woods' dreaded E-word. We're going to talk about confidence versus ego. And we're going to talk about the difference between leisure and escapism. And if you want to hear all that, you can listen to this week's Maximal episode available exclusively on Patreon. That's right. You're currently listening to our weekly Minimal episode. But each week, actually, you know what? Let me let me skip the script this week, uh, podcast, Sean. Let me just say this. Um, every week on Patreon, we do a long-form podcast. We call it a Maximal episode. We just finished recording this one with... Ryan Holiday, I can tell you this. It's one of the most meaningful conversations that I've ever had. We answered a bunch more questions. We had a really great conversation about stillness, about stoicism, about all kinds of stuff, about silence being the, uh, not, it's not necessarily the absence of all sound. We talked about how certain successful people 
a recharge in their downtime. We just we had a really meaningful conversation. We talked about writing and, and tips for writing and creativity. Uh, Ryan Holiday and I just really hit it off on the Maximal episode. I would encourage you to listen to that. You can listen to it in your regular podcast app if you become a Patreon supporter. Also, we're capping our Patreon support at 6,000 people because we decided that's enough. So there are still some spots left if you do want to be part of the Minimalist private podcast. It's a separate, long-form podcast every week where we really dive deep into your questions. We... Uh, we get kind of personal on that in ways that we don't talk about things in public. So if you're interested in that and you want to go a lot deeper with respect to minimalism or stoicism or stillness or the topics we tackle each week with our guests, then head on over to theminimalists.com slash support. You can become a supporter there. I know it's just a couple dollars, but that goes really far. It allows us to keep this podcast 100% advertisement-free. We think advertisements suck. We don't want to do them on our podcast. And so you, those of you who are our Patreon supporters, keep this podcast alive and keep it 100% advertisement-free. Find all the details and all the good stuff over theminimalists.com slash support. And now here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Hello, Josh and Ryan. My name is Mandy Bender. I am calling from Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm calling today because I have a great solution for what to do with an old wedding dress, especially if it's kind of outdated and not likely to be worn again. The hospitals in my area have a wonderful program. They have volunteers who take old wedding dresses and make burial gowns for infants. I think this is a great way to honor these children, and I know it is something the families mourning the loss of a child will find value in. Hi, this is Jesse Hazelwood in Austin, Texas, and I was listening to the podcast and a woman commented about what's next. I've decluttered and now what's next? And I think that I've experienced some of the anxiety that I heard in her voice about, okay, now now what? And I think that I personally still feel the need to veg out and not work, and but at the same time, I will go and check my email, and now that is a joy to me because I've cleaned it out, and the emails that I'm getting are telling me that I've got a new podcast, or it's my favorite um, shopping site. I really like fashion and researching fashion, and um, but I get to sit down and enjoy that and not worry about, oh, this isn't clean, my house is cluttered, and I need to get up and do something and have that extra layer of anxiety on top. And then also playing my guitar, when I'm playing it, I'm not worried about all the things that I need to do. I can actually sit down and enjoy doing the things that I want and and finding joy in my life. All right, y'all. Thanks again to Ryan Holiday for one of the most meaningful conversations I've had on this main podcast, also on our Patreon podcast. Uh, Man, we just talked about so much. I want to encourage you to check out his new book, Stillness is the Key. It's out this week. You can check it out wherever you get books. You can find him at Ryan Holiday on social media. RyanHoliday.net is his website. And also, he has a great book, but also a great website, email list. It's uh, The Daily Stoic. If you just 
please go to dailystoic.com or follow at dailystoic on social media. You can find that there as well. He's creating something meaningful for the world, something I think you'll get a lot of value from. Check out Stillness is the Key, his latest book. And real quick for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalists. Do you know about our side project? It's called minimalism.life. That's the website, minimalism.life. Over there, you can find uh, free, beautiful, simple wallpapers for your phone or for your computer. You can find some beautiful journal articles. And there's also something over there called Inside Minimalism, where you get the best of minimalist design, minimalist travel, and minimalist well-being. We partnered up with uh, Carl and Alberto from Minimalissimo and Five Style to give you the best of all-around minimalism, minimalist design, travel, and and well-being all in one place. Head on over to minimalism.life if you want to learn more about that. You can also follow Minimalism Life on social media. If you're on Instagram, the most beautiful photos and quotes that you'll find over there, it's just at Minimalism Life on Instagram. Or if you're on Twitter, it's just at Minimalism on Twitter. If you have a comment, question, or minimalism tip for our podcast, leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839, or send a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalists. If you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. You'll also receive our simple Sunday emails every week. Just head on over to theminimalists.com at the very top. There's no pop-up ad or anything like that. We don't do that crazy stuff, but you can just enter your email address there at the top. We'll never ever send you spam, but we will send you our show notes and our simple Sunday emails each week. Never any advertisements or anything like that. For our added value this week, you know, I've been rediscovering my friend Andy Davis's music lately. Um, he opened up for us when we were on tour in 2014 at our Nashville stop. And we've become friends since then. He's one of my favorite musicians in the world. And since we've been talking about chaos today, the the sort of chaos of everyday life, let's listen to a song that's about just that. Here's a song called Solution to Run from one of my favorite musicians, Andy Davis. This is from his 2012 album, Heartbreak Yellow. And if you leave here today with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things. Because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Try not to raise my voice. It happened so long that you left me with no choice. Put my gentleman aside. Agree to keep the law, but never signed up for the little that you call. I come seeking, you go Yeah.